Brother Keith got back from um, flight safety today. Brother Keith and Brother Mike, and they passed. I think they did better than passed. I think they did real well, real well. I don't even think they crashed. Hey, you're laughing, but it's possible when they're in flight safety. They do everything under the sun to them, I think. So I'll let him tell you about it. But, you know, they have burnouts on engines and icing and everything that there can go wrong. It goes wrong in that sim. So if it goes wrong when you're actually flying, you know how to handle it. So, uh, But they made it through. So uh, uh, that means if something happens when we're in the plane, we can make it through. So that's the good part about it. So, well... Um, I'm here. So, yeah. So, uh, we, we're here. We're going to have a good time? Yes, we are. Yes. Um, the title of my message tonight has been something that's been, I've said, you've probably heard me say it. I don't know when I came up with it um, forever. I don't know. But um, I've said it for a very long time, and I believe it from the bottom of my heart. And uh, if you've ever been around me, you know it's something that I believe. But it's the core of who, who we all should be. The title is, There Are No Throwaways. There are no throwaways. Now, I made Dan do something tonight that he wasn't very pleased with me about, I don't think. He, but Dan is very obedient. You won't find any two more obedient people than Dan and Rob. I mean, they, they may roll their eyes just a little bit, but they're going to do it, you know. They're going to do it. So stand up, Dan. Stand up. Look at how nasty he, he got for me. He, he went out there with the pigs and got all muddy in the pond, and he got all muddy. But I wanted you to look at this verse up here. Uh, put up James 2, 3 for me. The reason that I did that... And you have respect to him. Uh, put it up. Let's see. This is in the NIV. Makes it a little simpler to understand. And you show special attention to a man wearing fine clothing, say, sit here. Here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you say, stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated yourselves or become judges of evil thoughts? Now, you know me. I've had a lot to say about clothes and stuff. But that doesn't mean that we put somebody down because maybe this is all that they have to wear or that they had to come from work or that they had to do something else. And Dan stinks right now. I just want you to know. Shireen, doesn't he smell? I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't. He, he uh, you're trying to find some what? Good pig mud back Yeah, he did find some pig mud. And, uh, but we have to be very careful about when people come in our doors that we don't discriminate against them and we don't run from them. We've been praying on Wednesday nights that the Lord would add to the church Daily. How many of you have been here on Wednesday nights? Because I know I've told Craig and I've told him in Branson that we want the Lord to add to the church and build us up. But you know what? When he adds to the church, 
I don't necessarily want it to be from the church next door or the church across town. You know, I want it to be somebody that don't know how to act in church. You know, they may not know what to do when they get in here. They may not know how to dress. They may not have the money to buy some new clothes. You can go now and change now, Dan, if you want to. Um, They may not know what they're supposed to wear or what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to respond or how they're supposed to. I remember this happened one time. We were, we were having greater faith, you know, and um, somebody commented, and they didn't know who it was, and um, it was like one of the first times um, that they had seen them, and um, one of our guest singers had their feet up on the seat and their shoes off and stuff like that, and, and um, somebody made a comment, look at them, look at, look at what they're doing, look at, you shouldn't do that sort of thing in church. Well, it wasn't long that they were their favorite. You shouldn't, do you understand what I'm saying? We'll get into that some more. We'll get into that some more tonight. Are you ready for a couple of things? Okay. We're not actually going on that kind of stuff, but I just wanted to show you this along with some of the things we're going to talk about tonight, okay? And um, Deb, who's got those pictures? Uh, Debbie, let's put those pictures up. Let's start with those pictures. Y'all ever seen... uh, What's their names? Jo- uh, Joanna and Chip and Joanna. Y'all ever seen them? Y'all ever seen them remodel all these houses and all that stuff? That house on the back really, to me, looks like it should be torn down. What do y'all think? Yeah. How many of you think it should just be torn down? Yeah. Reckon how much time and money and effort they put into redoing that house. Huh? Somebody guess. Huh? At least $100,000. Somebody had to guess. I don't know, so your guess is as good as mine. I'm not going to correct you. How, How much time do you think they put into that? Six months, years? I don't know. But they put a lot of time into it. Okay, show me the next picture. What do you think? Tear it down? Raise your thumb up. Tear it down? No? Re- refix it. Refix it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, it took a lot of time. Okay, what about this one? Tear it down, thumb up. Tear it down, thumb up. Thumb up. Everybody's got to vote one way or another. So, tear it down or not? Tear it down. Tear it down. Okay. No, don't tear it down. Thumb up. Oh, some, some people like to save everything. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I like it. I like it. How, how many says don't tear it down? Oh, there's a few of you. Don't tear it down. Okay, there's a few of you. Reckon how much time they had to spend on this house. And how much money they had to spend on this house. I mean, you probably could have tore it down. Me and Rob know. You could have tore it down a lot cheaper and rebuilt another one. We do it all the time. You could have tore it down and rebuilt another one cheaper than you could have probably redone that one. A lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of money. Okay, put the next one up. 
What do you think? Tear down. Tear down. Even some, some couples are going different directions on this thing. So tear down. Everybody, tear down. Tear, tear down. Okay. How many of you vote to, keep, to remodel it? Anybody vote to remodel that thing? Not a soul in here voted to remodel it. Not a soul was willing to keep this house. And look at how pretty it is. Wouldn't you live in that house? I would take it. It's a beautiful house. They did a lot of work, even added a garage to it. How many of you would take it? Yeah, I would take it. Yeah, okay, the next one. What do you think? Restore? Not restore. All the guys said restore. Every guy in here said restore. The girls said, take me shopping. (laughs) Restore, take me shopping, you know. Restore. Yeah, the guys are all thumbs up. It's a good-looking car now, isn't it? Yeah. Reckon how much money they spent on that car. I mean, it's a lot. I can tell you right now, it's a lot. You ever watch those, I forget what they're called, auctions? I've seen Keith sit there and watch them sometime, and the prices just go up and up and up and up and up and up. I mean, they would pay crazy amounts for these cars. And I'm talking crazy. Okay, go to the next one. Restore? Trash. Let me see, Kevin. I gotta stop just a minute. Somebody's gotta show me Kevin. We gotta stop just a minute. I gotta see Kevin, what he's doing over there. Change and put Branson on the screen. Kevin, save it or throw it away? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I see him, his hand on the edge of the screen. See him? He's saying thumbs up, save the stinking thing. He would save every single one of those. I know him. I know him. Okay, put the, put the car back up there. Look at that. Reckon how much time and effort they spent doing that. How much money they spent. How much tedious effort. I mean, that took some time. That took some effort. That took some work. That took some long, long, long hours to get that thing back into shape. And I bet it took some cussing. Because the part didn't go where it was supposed to go. Don't you imagine? Some people that wasn't saved was probably put doing that. And they probably... Mm, my daddy used to cuss when he would do stuff, you know. And so I, I grew up that way, you know. So, okay, put the next one. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody yells out. Even the girls. Save. Save. Save that one. Okay. Save that one. Doesn't matter what it costs, just save it, right? Doesn't matter how much time, just save it. You would take it, right? Okay. All right. Keep going. I think I had a car like that one. Keith said, Phil, you had one like that one. Mine was blue, I think. Save it. Everybody's voting. Don't forget. Save it. Everybody's voting to save that thing. It's a Ford Mustang. How can you not save it? You know? 
Trash it. Trash it. Trash it. Trash it. We got some trash it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it looks good. But I don't think I would want to. Hey, if you could get somebody else to do it for you and somebody else was paying for it and somebody else put the time into it. I'm talking about you having to do it. Oh! Oh! Now we're telling a different story, right? Now let's revote on these things. Save it or trash it. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. You got to do all the work on this thing. You got to sand this thing. You got to figure out how to put all the bondo on it. You got to figure out how to find all the parts. You got to take the time to hunt down every little part that goes back on this thing. How much time do you think that's going to take? How much money do you think that's going to take? A lot of time and a lot of money. People do it. People do it. They'll spend a lot of time and a lot of money doing this sort of thing. Okay, put up the next one. Save it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Save it and do the work. And do the work. Save it and do the work. We got thumbs going up everywhere. Save it and do the work. All right? That's not going to take that long, not going to cost that much money. It's worth it. Save it and do the work, right? Save it and do the work. Okay, we got another one. Save it and do the work. Nope, thumb down. Ron says no right away. No, thumb down. Thumb down's everywhere. Thumb down's everywhere. Not their style anymore. It's out of date, isn't it? Yes, worthless anymore. Not our style. We don't like it. It doesn't look like us. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't look like something we would like. Okay? I think there's one more. Is there one more? Save it. Save it. Fix it yourself. Memories. Maybe it was at your house or something. Save it. Save it. I know I don't even have to look. Dave's gone like this on every single one of them. What y'all want to make wager? We're, we're not betting people, but put Dave on the screen. Y'all want to have some fun? Put Dave on the screen. Dave! Uh-huh. Yeah. Throw it all away and go buy a new one, right? Yeah, exactly. I knew it. I got one more picture. Save it. Throw it away. See, we got some people wanting to save that one. Save it. Save it. Save it. Save it. A few people that's wanting to save that one. That one's not your style, but it's worth some money when it's done. See, that's the problem with that one. You can put a little money into it, but you might get more money out of it when you're done with it. People will spend a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, say a lot with me, a lot of money on things that are destroyed. 
People spend a lot of money on things that are, to me, I would consider worthless after a certain point. But they like it. They'll spend a lot of money restoring it. I'll look at Keith and I'll say, they should trash that. Let's just go buy a new one. It's got new springs. It's got a new radio. It's got a good air conditioner. It's, it just rides better. It doesn't smell. Let's just go buy a new one. He's like, but Phil, those old ones, are, they're classics, you know? And, and yeah. And they ride like they're classics. <laughs> you know? Well, he, he got one one time. He got an old car. He traded my car in for the car, and uh, he worked on it, and they worked on it, and he worked on it, and spent everything we had working on it, I think. And we didn't have a lot, and he spent it working on it. And uh, by the time he was done with it, we had to leave and go to Bible school. So it, the value of it was nothing. We ended up selling it and paying whatever tuition we had to do with it. But my point is, people will spend time, they'll spend money, they'll spend effort, they'll spend everything they have restoring, the new thing, recycling, reclaiming, all sorts of stuff. But you let a human being have the tiniest little blemish on them. Let a human being do one thing wrong. Dare say a husband look at porn or dare say a man murder somebody or a wife steal something or have an affair. People are ready to throw them away because they have a blemish now. See how quiet it got? Would God save a serial murderer? You say that real fast, would he? Then why are we as a society so quick to say, throw them away? We don't want to have anything to do with them. And run from them. Does anybody remember somebody named Saul? Oh, Dan, stand up. Oh! Now he can sit on the front row because he's dressed nice and he's got his gold jewelry and his, you know, his... No, we don't want to be that way. You get my point? We want to love everybody. And you'll understand it more by the time we're done. Does anybody remember Saul? What did he do? Somebody tell me what he did. Persecuted Christians. Not only did he persecute them, what did he do? He tortured them. He murdered them. 
We don't even have a record of how many of them he tortured and murdered. Is he worth Jesus dying for? Is he? Then why do people throw away somebody that steals and says, Get out of the church. Get out of the marriage. Get out of our family. See how quiet y'all are? They do have to repent. They do have to change. Did Paul repent? He did repent. And he got it right. And he became one of the most used people of God. But God, let me read you a verse. Look at, maybe, First Peter. No, let's, let's go back up. Let's, let's go ahead and start where we were going to start. Matthew 16, 26. Matthew 16, 26 in the King James says this. For what is it if a man profited? What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's a lot of people out there in the world, in the church, that all the devil has to do is dangle something in front of them and they're gone. Why is that? I told Keith, I probably wouldn't tell this, but you know, I think I'm going to. The other morning I was laying there in the bed and I was just thinking about different things and I was thinking about what we got from Brother Hagen. We got a foundation in the Word. More than anything else, we got a foundation of knowing that we had to know the Word for ourselves. We had to know what the Word said for ourselves. We had to know that it wasn't what our grandma said. It wasn't what our daddy said. It wasn't what our mama said. It wasn't what another preacher said. It wasn't what the Baptist said. It wasn't what the Catholic said. It wasn't what the Pentecostal said. It's what did the Word say. And so I was laying there in the bed thinking about that. And I was thinking about why we were not so easily swayed with everything that came along. And why Brother Hagen wasn't so easily swayed with everything that came along. And you know me, I get these silly little illustrations sometimes. 
Sometimes I act them out for y'all, and I should have been ready to do it, but I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about doing this. But I thought about the foundation like it's underneath your feet. That's your foundation. And the foundation, I've told you before, when things get hectic for me, I say I start to say, Lord, I'm standing on your word. And I think about that often. And I'll just get on, on the word and I say, Lord, I'm standing on your word for this. I'm standing on your word. So that's why it comes to me this way. Because I do that. I'll say, Lord, I am standing on your word. And I'll think of the scripture or something that I'm standing on. So I think about that. And I thought, Lord, it's like, it's like the word is my foundation. And all underneath me, everywhere I go, it's a magnet underneath my feet. It's this great big, huge, you ever seen the cartoons where they've got these great big sucker magnets, you know, that you go, and you know, Wally Coyote and Roadrunner, you know, he, and, um, and it's this great big magnet. But I have these wonderful magnetic boots. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I am stuck to the Word. So whenever somebody tries to tell me something wrong or tries to knock me down, I can't be moved by it. A tornado can come, pew! A hurricane can come, pew! The devil can come, pew! I'm still on the Word. Does it make any difference? Because I know what he said. I know what he said about it. And I know that I can stand on His Word because I have His Word and I know what His Word says. So somebody can't come and try to feed me something that's not right or feed me a part of a Scripture and make me try to believe it. You know, the devil can quote Scripture. He quoted it to the devil. I mean, the devil quoted it to Jesus. So people can come to you and try to quote Scripture to you and try to convince you of something in your life. But if you've got this foundation underneath you, and you got your boots on, you can turn them up high, or you can turn them down low, so that you can walk. But you always got it underneath you. you got the Word to where you're not swayed by everything everybody tells you. Because you know what the Word says. So when this says, if he gains the whole world and loses soul, uh, what shall man give in exchange for his soul? I'm not so swayed by the things that are out there in the world. They're not as big of a temptation to me as they used to be. Because I know there's nothing that God wouldn't give me if I serve him. Do you understand? So the pull that the devil used to have to pull me towards that, it's not there anymore. But you got to get in this to find that out. Do you know, I looked it up, and it said, the diamonds, the gold, the water, the lumber, the earth's resources are just under seven to eight quadrillion dollars. Now, does anybody know what quadrillion is? It's a big number. Quadrillion dollars. That's 15 zeros after it. 
15 zeros after it. Now, here's the thing. 1 Peter 1.18. This is the good part. You know that it was not with perishable things like silver and gold that you were bought or redeemed from the empty way of life and handed down from your ancestors, but it was with the precious blood of the Lamb that was without blemish or defect. So in other words, God paid this huge price for you. But here's the thing. You're already saved. How many of you in here are already saved? I think that's just about everybody in here. So what do you say we find a whole new group of people that's not saved and get them saved? A whole new group of people that Jesus paid the price for and tell them these things. Let's, let's talk about what Jesus did. When you see somebody that is doing things that we normally would disagree with, what is normally the church's reaction to it? Go ahead, Randy. Yeah. yeah. It's even worse than that. There was this guy that we knew. And... He got saved. His name was Gerald. I won't tell you his last name. It's not the guy that you know as Gerald around us. But he got saved. And he was in a, I think, a Baptist church at the time. And at the time, he was smoking and he was drinking. And um, when he got saved, everybody around him was smoking and drinking. And he started getting up in the pulpit He was the pastor. He was smoking and drinking. And he got up in the pulpit and he started saying, if you're smoking and drinking, you're going to die and go to hell. Well, he had just quit smoking and drinking the day before. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not what God intended for us to do, is to get saved one day and the next day become judgmental of the people that were just like us the day before. Do you understand? That's not what he called us to. He called us to love people. He called us to give our hearts to people. You know, Brother Copeland to me is one of the greatest examples of that. I've seen him when somebody has fallen or somebody has messed up. I've seen him when people go, it's like somebody over here, say it's Junior, because he's the only one way over there on that side of the room. And I'm not saying he's done anything, so don't write a letter or start a lie about it, has done something wrong. Okay? And everybody in the whole place, get up, even his wife, get up and leave in the droves away from him 
And he didn't even do anything that seriously wrong. You know, maybe they heard he embezzled something, or maybe they heard, and it wasn't even true. But they just all leave him in droves because they believe the lie. And Brother Copeland will then take them and put them up to speak. I've seen him when other people have told lies about people. Send them money. When other people leave them in droves, he's been right there to pat them on the back. Do you think that the reason Brother Kenneth is where he is today is because he's just such a fine, fine preacher? It's because of his love. If you want to be exalted, how do you get promoted with God? What's the New Testament commandment? Does anybody know what the New Testament commandment is? Huh? Love. Do you know, I was studying the other day, and I realized so many things... Forgive, you'll be forgiven. Give, it will be given. Honor, and I will honor. Be a friend, you'll get a friend. Judge, you'll be judged. So many things with God is when you do something, that's what you're going to get. So wouldn't it be wise if you're wanting people in your family to get saved or you're wanting, you're wanting some extra love or you're, or you're believing for things? I mean, run out and start ministering to people. How many of you have got people in your family you're believing to get saved? How many of them have really gone far, far down? How many of you have got people in jail? How many of you have got people on drugs? You don't have to raise your hand. You've got people on drugs. I would find somebody on drugs as quick as I could and start ministering to them. How many of you got people on the street? Huh? How many of you is about ready to get a divorce? Do you understand what I'm saying? With God, the way things work is... What you need is what you do. If you're in need of something, man, you run to somebody. I know when Keith and I first got married, we had so much married problems. It was, you could write a book uh, this big about it. I've told it all about how my mama ran our house and his daddy ran his house. But man... One of the first things I did is I got that Bible out and I started reading about marriage and I found me somebody to preach to. And I didn't know nothing. Nothing. But we've got to recognize that we have a job to love people, to not judge people. We've got to realize that the church in itself has been, there are no throwaways. There's nobody that God didn't pay the price, send Jesus to pay the price for. 
There's nobody on the street. There's no relative of yours. There's no relative of yours. There's no relative, not your spouse. I've seen people, and it just hurts my heart. Somebody has an affair, and, I mean, they just get rid of them. They say, I've heard in the church that if somebody has an affair, you have to get rid of them right away. Well, you didn't hear it here. See how quiet y'all are getting? It's not right. I'm not making it right. It's wrong to do that. But it matters what you do after, like Keith said. I'm not making it right. Don't go out of here and say, Mrs. Moore said it was all right to have an affair. No, she did not. No, she did not. Let's read, let's read a couple of other things. Let's, let, me, let me read you a couple of scriptures so you've got some scriptures to back up what I'm telling you. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Okay? Knowing the value of a soul not only affects how we care for our own soul... But it also motivates us to take care for the souls of others. We shouldn't... Brother Hagin said when he got saved, he used to be mad at everybody, and he, even this, especially this one person. He was so mad at them that when they'd walk down the street, he'd go on the other side of the street. Y'all remember that? But he got saved. And something inside of him would begin to scratch and say, You're saved now. The love of God is shed abroad in you. And if, if, you're, if you're saved, you're supposed to love people. You're not supposed to give place to your flesh. You're supposed to love people. And God loves them, and they're looking at you. So what did he do? He crossed the street and went over there. And he said he was surprised at how much he loved them after he got over there. He said that hate wasn't in him anymore. And that's the way we should be. The love of God should be in us. Even people that we used to hate, we should begin to start realizing, I don't hate them anymore. That hate's gone. And if it's not gone, you do like he said. You need another dip and not another dip of skull. You know, you need to get back in the Word. You need to pray in the Spirit until that love rises back up in you again to where you can minister to that very person. You don't ever want anybody in your life that you've treated so bad or you've been so ugly to that you can't turn around if the Lord says, go minister to them, that He can't use you to minister to them, no matter what they've done. You want to keep an open lane to where you could, if God said, they're going to die tomorrow, and you know them, and I don't know who else knows them, that you've got an open lane to go and minister to them, that you can do that. Let's see. Um, Luke, you all know this, Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and Save. save that which was lost. Now, this, this next one, I think you already all know it. I'm not going to try to read it to you. But we were just talking about it just a little bit. 
It's the woman caught in the act of adultery. We saw Paul that was a murderer. We've got a woman caught in the act of adultery. You've seen people wear those bracelets. What would Jesus do? You've got scripture about what did Jesus do? And people don't, they don't take heed to it. He didn't throw Paul away. He didn't throw this woman away. So why do we give people a cold shoulder when we hear things about them? Y'all are too quiet. Because we're what? Because we're dumb. We're dumb. And we've all done it. I'm, I'm talking to myself as well as I'm talking to anyone else. We want to look for, look for something good to find in them that we can have an open door to be able to get them back to the things of God. We want to find some way to bring them back in where God can do something for them. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Yes. It's not you going and saying you had an affair. You, you are going to have to pay for it. No, it's the goodness of God that will cause them to repent. It's the goodness of God that will lead them to open their heart up and cry on your shoulder and say, I messed up. You don't want to beat somebody over the head because what's that word about judging and then you're going to be judged? You remember what the Lord told me years ago about if we judge somebody, we might as well get out our day timer, which we don't have those anymore. We have our phones with calendars in it, but we might as well get out our day timer and mark it down. Because if you judge somebody for having an affair, guess what? Mark it down. Get your day timer out and just close your eyes and just mark down a date in the future. Because the devil will attack you to do it. You say, no, he won't. Well, just try it and see. I'm not confessing it over it, but it's the scripture. You can plan your whole future by judging. Okay, so we, we had that woman. So since we know... And since the Son of God saw the value of one soul, do we? How many of you in here right now know people that you have pushed away just today? Just today, I didn't know who it was. Somebody texted my phone and said, how were you doing? And it was just a number. I had no clue who it was. I said, I'm doing fine. How are you? And um, they said, they're okay, I'm okay. And I said, I'm sorry, but I don't know who this is. And so they gave me their name. And so I said, I said, Amy, do you know who this is? Dave, do you know who this is? And they both said, no. So I said, could you check to see if we know them? And they said, okay. So Amy did some digging and said, I saw her picture. I still don't know her. So she did some more checking. And I'm still texting with this person, back and forth. Didn't have a clue who it was. Come to find out, it was a homeless lady that had been to the church one time. How she got my number, I have no clue. She's got cancer. What if I just cut her off? 
What if I had said, I have to preach tonight. I don't have time to talk to you. You're bothering me. How did you get my number? Leave me alone. I'm too important for you to bother me. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm about to have to do? How nice would that have been? We get so busy that we forget about why we're here. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about every person in this room, every person listening out there. We get so busy that we forget about why we're here. That, why did you go to that store? Why did you do this? Why did you come in contact with them? Just the other day, I was, Karen called somebody because we were hooking up something or changing something. I can't remember what it was. And uh, we were on the phone and she took all of our information. She asked for the address. She asked for the phone number. I think I was hooking up some things for my niece and nephew's home and stuff like that. And, and so she got, gathered all the information. And, and then at the end of the conversation, she said, uh, Hi, Mrs. Moore. I know you. We listen to you all the time. You and Brother Keith, we just enjoy you so much. Now, that was at the end of the conversation after we'd been on the phone for a while. Does it pay, does it pay to be ugly to people? You say, well, nobody knows me like they know you. Are you sure? Are you sure they don't know you? Are you sure God's not going to say, go back and, and pray for that person? They have cancer. Go back and pray for that person. They're going through a hard time. They just lost their mother. Go back and pray for that person. They don't have any money. Give them some money. We're all here with a call and a purpose. And if we get saved and we feel like we've outgrown, you hear that word? outgrown who we were before we got saved and we don't do that anymore and we don't want to be around people that do that anymore then we really need to take another dip do you understand our job is to love people there are no throwaways there's not one throwaway. I've told you this before, and I'm going to tell it to you again. We were in New York City, and there was this guy standing on a street corner. And he was, I guess, with a gang, as best I can tell. And um, Keith and I were in the back seat, and we were riding with some pastors from there. And his hair 
I, it was, I mean, it was that tall. And it was put in those rooster things. You've seen, seen those? Has anybody seen those, what I'm talking about? Real tall rooster things. And um, I don't guess Keith and I will ever forget it. The woman in the front seat, the pastor's wife, she looked out, tears in her eyes, said, that's some mama's baby. Now, what if you had ministered to that mama's baby and got it saved? That mama's going to love you forever. There is not anything in the world that mama won't do for you. That's our job. We are here for a purpose. We're not just here to watch TV and and go to our jobs. Yeah, we are here to go to a job, but we're here at that job to give off an aura of love, an aura of peace. I mean, we have been working with this one gentleman now for, I don't know, 10 years, I guess. And we're just now being able to minister to him some things that they vitally need in their life. Vitally need in their life. Every day we are to be doing these things. Every day, every person in here. Youth are supposed to be doing it. Adults are supposed to be doing it. Moms are supposed to be doing it. Dads are supposed to be doing it. And there are no throwaways. You saw those homes. You saw those things. Some people may look like one of those houses or one of those cars. They may be so drugged out of their head that they look like they're not worth saving. And you may think, I just want the chest. I'm only able to deal with people that look like a chest and put a little work into them. Well, start there. Start there. But somebody has to be willing to deal with the ones that nobody else will deal with. And you'll, you'll be so surprised. It's like the Lord said, the ones that has committed the most sins are the ones that are forgiven the most are the ones that love the most. And so I like getting to them. I like the ones, I've done it, the ones that's got the goth and the ones that's got the tattoos and the ones, man, you get them saved? They're like night and day different people. They were on fire for that, now they're on fire for God. It's, there are no throwaways. Your kids are not throwaways. Your family is not throwaways. Your boss is not a throwaway. No matter how bad he treats you, you can have such an aura of God around you that when you get in his presence, he can't act that way. You go in prayed up and full of the Holy Spirit that no matter how stinking mean he is. Keith had a boss one time. He'd come out of the house. He'd kick the dog and slap his wife and, and cuss all them out before the day even started. I mean, he was just mean. But he didn't know God. There's a lot of people like that. All they need, that's what the world is, is they're mean. Because they don't know God. We have to show them Show them what God is. Show them who God is. 
And maybe you have to give up your lunch money to them so they can eat. Maybe you have to give up your parking space so they can have one. And you think, have you seen what they look like? Yeah, I have. There are no throwaways. Say it with me. There are no throwaways. Not anybody, and you're listening to me, not anybody that's gay, not anybody that's homosexual, not anybody on drugs, not anybody that's beat anybody, not even, you know, in the Bible, they killed their kids. And God died for them. God sent Jesus to die for them. There is nothing that Jesus didn't die for that he can't save. All they need is the love of God. Now, this doesn't mean... I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. Everybody listening, look at, look at me. Everybody in Branson, put Branson on the screen. Everybody look at me. This doesn't mean that we go hang out with sinners. Because unless you really do have those magnetic foundation and boots that keep you from getting pulled over, most people's flesh is too weak. It gets pulled back in quicker than it thinks it does. So you minister to them and you run back to your safe haven. Raise your hand if you heard me. Yeah. We don't go hang out on on their turf where the devil is. We minister to them and we invite them back with us. And if they're serious about wanting something, they'll come back with you. And you may have to minister to them a time or two, but they'll eventually come back with you. If they're serious about it. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it with me again. There are no throwaways. throwaways. How many of you have somebody in your mind that you kind of have thrown away? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. That you've kind of thrown away. That you've kind of neglected maybe is a better word for it. That you've kind of neglected. Yeah. Yeah. We want to correct that. And even if you can't talk to them, there's something you can do for them. You can pray for them. And you can ask the Lord to send laborers across their path. And ask the Lord to send the person that they will listen to across their path. And if you've been mean to them, you probably want to go straighten that out because they'll think, that's not God. And I'm not telling you to be a stomping mat for anybody. I'm just telling you that there are no throwaways, just like these houses. And that first one that everybody looked at, and I said, would you live in that? Well, God can clean you up, just like all of these. Put those pictures back up again. And look at, those, look at these houses and look how clean some of them are. You could live in that. But it didn't look very good to start with, did it? That's how some of us looked. Do you remember when you looked that way? Oh, yeah. Okay, look at the next one. You remember when you looked that way? All burned out? Huh? Yeah. Okay, look at the next one. You remember when you looked that way? All termite all eaten up inside with stuff? Stresses and worries and all that kind of stuff? Okay? You got all whitewashed. Look at that one. You was completely... Or you know somebody that was that way. And look at that. You can be made new and whole and clean and ready to serve the Lord. Stand up with me.